Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. This is Broncos for Breakfast. I'm your host, Scott Kennedy, and our my co-host, Nick Kendall, will be back with us shortly. Apologies for being a little bit late today. Uh, try and get going by 935 Eastern, 735 Mountain uh, every day. And um, little technical difficulties, but we are here to talk some Denver Broncos. Uh, I know there's a bunch of people in here waiting, so we're going to get started by saying hello to some folks in the chat. And one of the people I'm going to say hello to right away Skyla Maples coming in with a fuchsia, the hot pink super chat. That wakes me up better than a strong cup of coffee. So appreciate you coming in and showing support to the show. And I know you've got some questions coming in. So uh, wanted to hit that one right off. Uh, Skyla Maples says, ready for a fresh start. All aspects of the team need a lift. Experience was needed and experience is what Peyton is bringing in. Let's go. Sean Peyton, new coach. And and Kyla, this is one of the arguments I made for a first round draft pick, you know, fairly passionately, actually, about a first round draft pick not being well worth getting the right coach. As you say here, all aspects of the team needed a lift. They need a lift. How do you do that? Not with one player. One player is not going to do it. But if you get one player he can like, let's say you solidify the center position or a right tackle that might help other aspects of the team for sure. But if you've got the wrong scheme, the wrong coaching staff, the wrong plays being called, it doesn't really matter that you just got a really good player at right tackle. Getting the right coach should elevate all 53 plus 16 practice squad. That should elevate 70 players on your team, not just one. So you're coming in here and welcome. It feels like a newer name to me. So welcome in announcing your presence with authority And you're absolutely right. The entire team did need a lift. And that's why you went and got the best available coach. Will it work out? We'll see. We will see. But on paper for me, I said from the very beginning, the best available coach out there is Sean Payton. He was my number one. And then decide, okay, what would it cost to get him? Okay, if it's too much, uh, Jim Harbaugh would have been my number number one, depending on the cost. I don't think first round draft pick was too much. My number one guy though, right now is Nick Kendall. Nick, how you doing? You look much clearer today. It's like you wiped all the sleep out of your eyes and gave it a restart. So welcome. Say hello to Guy who came in with a hot pink super chat for us this morning. 
Yeah, I see Gyla Maples, $49.99, kicking us off Monday. Very excitingly. Thank you so much. Happy President's Day, everybody out there. Uh, for those of you who observe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> whatever. Should I be offended? Everybody's offended by something. Is that, I don't I'm, know. I'm offended. I'm, I woke up offended. Um, but uh, happy President's Day. I, I have today off, but I'm going to go into work and still get the grind in because uh, Nick works in the winter so he can play in the summer. And uh, that's how I'll take that deal every time. So that's okay. Michael Ronquillo coming in here out there in Tucson, Arizona. Good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and buck them. Buck them. Buck you too. Mike, no, I'm just kidding. Appreciate that, Michael. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Uh, happy Monday to you. Always appreciate you coming in. Hope you had a great weekend. Yeah, Michael, thanks for all the support. Ben, uh, you know, you're you're already on the Mount Rushmore. Just itching, you now you're initialing it. Now it's like you're you're signing your name to it. So thank you, Michael, for for everything here. Um here's a question just right below that that I'll hit on this one real quick as we get going. Uh Lewis uh, Condon comes and he says, Why is everyone talking about getting a running back? I thought we were set. Um Lewis, you're not set. Uh Javante Williams is coming off a devastating knee injury. There's no guarantee he's going to be back to what he was. Mike Boone is a free agent. He's gone. Uh, uh, Latavius Murray, free agent. Chase Edmonds is a cap casualty. He's going to be cut. You might resign him, but he's he consider him off the roster. Basically, you don't have anybody. Tyler Beatty, you know, practice squad guy. You, you don't you don't have a running back that you can count on going in. So, do you need? Would I bring back Latavius Murray? Yeah, I would. Am I hoping that Javante Williams is coming back and is going to be strong? Yes, I am. Do I need a third guy in there that I can count on? Absolutely. Yeah, maybe even a fourth. I mean, you talk about Javante Williams might not even be back to what he was this season. He might not be back at all. I mean, he tore multiple ligaments in his knee. It sucks. It really does. But it was a week five last season. Uh, that's just the reality of it. And then, unfortunately for the Broncos, by the time they will have an idea if he's going to be available or not, the offseason will have come and gone. I mean, we'll be talking about it's August uh, at that point. So you're going to have to make moves like he's not going to be available uh, this offseason. Unfortunately, luckily, it's going to be a very deep pool of running backs available in both free agency and the draft. The other thing is Sean Payton, he loves himself some running backs. He's always loaded up on one or, or two, two or three really good ones back there uh, consistently with the Saints. He's mentioned multiple times how much that this uh, – Broncos team needs to run the football better. Now, 90% of that, maybe 75% of that is the offensive line with 10% being the running backs themselves. But it's from a cost ability and availability perspective, it's going to be easier to find running backs out there to improve that unit compared to fixing the offensive line. That's going to be more of a long-term multifaceted approach. So uh, yes, they're going to have to use some resources, if not, you know, free agency and the draft uh, to add to this room. And it's unfortunate I know everybody, you know, well, Javante Williams will be back. Maybe. 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 I mean, it's... it's I hope so. Yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate situation. Again, luckily for the Broncos, it's a big need, but you're not going to have to spend crazy resources because it's a scarce uh, position out there. You're going to be able to find somebody that's going to be able to help you at least get through this season while you're kind of figuring out what's going on with Williams. Michael Renquillo comes in talking a little NFL draft, says, I read the Indianapolis Colts could trade for the Chicago Bears first-round pick. For one of the quarterbacks, one name coming up is quarterback Will Levis. Thoughts, Nick and Scott. At Shane Steichen's introductory press conference, Jim Irsay actually mentioned, not by name, but mentioned that Alabama guy looks pretty good, uh, Bryce Young. So we'll see. There's a, a talk on that that the um, Chris Ballard, their general manager, doesn't really like small players. Um, 
So we'll see. Uh, I, I still like CJ. I still like CJ Stroud a lot um, as a possible number one overall. We, we'll see on that one too. Will Levis is going to have a pro day for all pro days. He's got prototype size, arm, release, huge arm. If 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 you're doing that type of evaluation, he's the Zach Wilson in this class where everybody's going to go, "Oh my God, watch him throw the ball." Could be Will Levis. We will see. We will see. Yeah. It's going to be a fascinating draft, and luckily, or I guess somewhat unluckily, but the Broncos can kick back and uh, watch it from a distance this season. Also, not watching from a distance, getting up in here. Gary Palmer, 1999, saying, Welcome back, Scott and Nick. Hope you guys had a good vacation. Let's talk Broncos. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Buckham. Thank you so much, Gary. 1999 coming in on this fabulous Monday morning where we're drinking some Lion Coffee brought to you by Patrick out there with the uh, Lion Coffee uh, roastery out there in Hawaii. Good stuff. Um, appreciate all you guys coming in and supporting us today. It's a, it's a good way to kick off this week. And Nick, I, I've, I found something, one of the dynamics I've learned about Broncos country. Um, you know, I, as a growing up an Atlanta Falcons fan, everything ends in failure, everything. There's never any pining for old coaches ever, (laughs) ever. In fact, some guys get brought back and they're like, Oh God, not that guy again. The Denver Broncos have had a lot of success through the years, and it, it 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 just astounds me how often people look back and say, "Well, what about this old guy we used to have? Could we get him?" Um, you know, Wade Phillips is in, in, in. You know, we're talking about him right now. We, it, it just happens. You know, Mike Shanahan. You know, Mike Shanahan's been out of the league for a decade. He's seventy years old. Wade Phillips is old. I don't know when the last time he was he was even uh, an NFL coach, but you bring him back, it's just. We talk about retreads. This is like a re-retread, you know, a, a double, a double retread. It's not even just another guy from another, another team. It's another guy from your old team, guys. I think you can, for the most part, unless it's Vance Joseph, get those old guys out of your mind. That the Broncos did bring in uh, Westoff, uh, the to be an assistant head coach and a special teams uh, assistant out here uh and he's an old guy no doubt as well i think he's pushing 80 years old so i guess there maybe could be a role where you bring in a young guy the former something at the with the denver broncos not former for the broncos i'm just talking that's what i mean though it's all of this rehashing so peyton manning should be general manager why you know it's it's like i said it's it's a different dynamic for me having watched a team that's in the bottom five of the nfl where they don't want anybody back from the old days yeah Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
Wade Phillips out there coaching the XFL. So, I mean, he still seems got some energy out there. I, I wouldn't be against interviewing. I think it's more of a due diligence uh, process at that one. But uh, yeah, for sure, it would be interesting. I think that also with how this Broncos roster is currently set up, you have more horses in the secondary than you do in the defensive front. So you can be more of a blitz-oriented team since you need help generating pressure more than coverage. It's not ideally how I would build a team, but with where the Broncos are right now, I get it. And you're going to get that with Rex Ryan or Vance Joseph also anyways. And you got it last year with the Giro Evero. The Broncos had the fourth highest uh, blitz rate of any team in the entire NFL last season, despite people saying they didn't blitz very much. Well, 32% of the time, I think it was what it was for the Broncos last year. But uh, Wade Phillips, you want to interview him? Sure. I'm not sure if he's interested for the Broncos. And this is Sean Payton's team. If Sean Payton wants to interview him, God bless. Uh, interview him, that's fine. If Sean Payton doesn't, then moving on. And according to Mike Kliss, Broncos are not in a hurry to hire a defensive coordinator just yet. They still might interview one or two more candidates before it's done. So sure. Interview Wade. I don't think he's a realistic candidate, but I'm sure he still has some ideas out there. And maybe you could offer him if you have money to throw around like the Broncos do. Maybe he wants to come in and be another assistant head coach and a defensive coordinator advisor or something. I don't know. Is it, does it get to a point of too many cooks? You have money. Why not? I don't care. <laughs> uh, Rodney says age is experience of Wade Phillips is not too old. Um, I don't know what too old is. Uh, he, he'd start the season, kick off the season at 76 years old. Um, and he, he's been out of the NFL for three years. So not that long, but, um, again, this, I'd rather go after Dean peace, you know, who's been in the NFL the last two years. Um, but again, it's, there's, there's just a lot of, fond reminiscing i guess for you know for these guys and it's you know let's, let's move forward there's there's a phenomenon there's a word for that scott it's called rosy retrospection um yes yeah, that's 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 i've never heard that i've never experienced that before <laughs> except for you know with past relationships you know where you remember oh why that girl was so hot why did we break up because she was awful to me that's why but she was so hot but you were miserable but she was so hot. <laughs> Where was she on the uh, the crazy hot spectrum? Right? That's yeah, exactly. The, uh... <laughs> yeah, you, you end up forgetting a lot of that stuff. Oh yeah, that's why I remember you were miserable. She made you miserable. Oh yeah, but 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 maybe this time. Yeah, God. Well, that, luckily it wasn't that terrible thing with uh, Wade Phillips. We had a great time with him in Denver, and uh, I don't know if he'd. Want to come back? You know, who knows? If he wants to interview, that's fine. And Kevin Gray comes up with a name that's a little bit more interesting here for the Broncos. If you're talking about some older heads, a uh, name that I could still see interviewed out here, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, longtime head coach uh, for the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, was a defensive coordinator there for the Cincinnati Bengals for a few years. Also, if I'm, you could correct me if I'm wrong here, Scott, uh, but the defensive coordinator opposite of uh, Sean Payton is the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach on that Bill Parcells uh, Cowboys team uh, out there in the early ish 2000s. So yeah, he's been there. around forever. I don't remember all of it, but you know, he's, he's been around a long time. And and Nick, we mentioned Chris Richard uh, Thursday morning. How come I'm surprised we haven't heard his name? Well, we did over the weekend. Uh, the other defensive coordinator, it's it's strange. You had co-defensive coordinators, and neither one of them actually called plays, called the defense for the New Orleans Saints. Um, Ryan Nielsen came out of that with a new job, and Chris Richard is still looking for one right now. And then the 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 Saints went and got a new defensive coordinator. So it's it's uh, that that dynamic's a little odd out there. 
It is odd. He'll probably find a place somewhere where he can come in coach. Thing about I wonder about him with the Broncos is that there are reports, uh, according to Mike Kliss this past weekend, that the Broncos are letting all almost all of their defensive coaches go. Uh, quality control, positional coaches, et cetera, et cetera, except two names uh, on the defensive coaching staff. Defensive line coach Marcus Dixon, who the Broncos brought over from the Rams, and he was the Denver. Nick's internet's having a little bit of trouble. Um, Marcus Dixon was a guy I covered in high school. He's a good Georgia boy. Um, He was a Vanderbilt commitment, which was unheard of at the time because of their uh, because you know their their standings in the football in the football world were not high. Uh, they've they improved through the years, but Marcus Dixon and then got railroaded and did jail time from something that sounded like a 1950s movie uh, and has come out of this great. Uh, so I'm, I'm pleased that he's still there. Uh, very happy with him. And Dr. Van Nostrand, <clears throat> I've seen this question saying, why not uh, Gerard Mayo? And I'm glad I'm here and you uh, get a chance to do this question because um, I've seen it, but I haven't been on at the time. Gerard Mayo is getting an elevated status with the New England Patriots. He was part of the interview process. So he's he's like, they've got him not, not necessarily fast-tracked, but they are really showing Gerard Mayo the love, so to speak, of we want you to be part of this franchise for a long, long time. So when they're interviewing offensive coordinator candidates, interviewing this, Gerard Mayo was actually brought in to be part of the interview process. So I, I think that Gerard Mayo might be happy where he is and the Patriots are happy to have him. Now, eventually they're going to have to show it that with, you know, land and title, um, you know, money and money and, and title and give him the promotion. But I think that that might be the reason, uh, Doc. He's still not the defensive coordinator out there. So the Broncos could hire him and it wouldn't be considered a lateral move. So he is eligible. I'm not sure what's going on there with the Patriots with Jared Mayo. Uh, I think it maybe has to do with uh, Steve Belichick. Uh, the, I think he's the defensive coordinator by title, Bill Belichick's son out there. Maybe I'm mixing up the names. Maybe Steve Belichick's Bill Belichick's father. I digress. Bill Belichick's son, I think, is officially the defensive coordinator out there. But, uh, heck, if you can toss him money and give him control of the defense, that would be a, a slam dunk, grand slam, uh, eagle hire, if you want. We'll throw in a golf term there as well. Uh, that'd be, I'd be, that'd be awesome. It doesn't seem like he is moving on from new England at this point, but, uh, yeah, I'd be all about it. I would really be interested in that, uh, new England Patriots style defense here. I think he's a bright up and coming mind and, uh, would be a great hire and also some, some youth, uh, as well on this coaching staff right now, you know, I'm excited to get the experience in here, but I don't want just to go from the youngest staff in the NFL to the oldest staff in the NFL. Right. I want a mix and match of good coaches. That way you can have a continuous cycle of uh, teaching, learning, upgrading, going on there. You want to fresh ideas. It requires all aspects. You need some diversity across the yes. staff in all aspects, age, race, all of it. You need some diversity because some players will connect better with others. You want a big staff and you want lots of different minds in there. You want one guy in charge. That was part of the problem, Nick, was mm-hmm. who the hell was in charge? One coach. Um, yeah, of of uh, of the of the Denver Broncos last year. Lawrence comes. He says, "Time to get back to work, guys. Glad you had a good vacation. Now, what are some weaknesses we need to address?" For me, the the quickest way to make this team better from a personnel wise that doesn't cost that much money would be the interior offensive line. Centers and guards can be had for relatively cheap. You can get starting level centers and guards, third round, fourth round second round, you know, move in, but you can, you can get them. We've seen it done. It can happen. And the good news is moving forward. Anyway, the bar has been set so low 
for the interior line of the Denver Broncos that it would be hard not to just get better through osmosis. It's like you can pick, I got five guys, I'm going to take that one, and you're probably going to be better at center and guard. Um, again, I, I know I, I saw a little bit of it, the, the chat Nick, you know, Dalton Reisner, you know, possibly leaving. And I, I had asked middle of last year, I'm like, how come Dalton Reisner isn't getting any of this stick that some of these other guys are getting? Because he's been awful. That was my first time watching him. And, you know, and then I see the the people are defending all the work he does. He's a Colorado guy. He's so great in the community. And he was really good as a rookie. Okay, I get all that. So he's built up some capital, so to speak, with Denver Broncos fans. But the last two years, he has not been good. He's replaceable. Um, yeah. and, and if he needs to go, he needs to go. Yeah. Uh, Broncos need to upgrade the offensive line, running back into your offensive line, right tackle and uh defensive line as well. Um, we need to figure out what scheme we're running right now, but right now your defensive line is Mike Purcell, uh, DJ Jones and question mark, Matt Hennessy, the Obuzurike, your edge rushers are, Browning and Gregory, but like, are those guys dependable? Then you have Benito last season who, you know, wasn't really impactful. You have former seventh round pick who's had injuries, Jonathan Cooper. I mean, you need help on both trenches really. So get talent there. Uh, I would not have issues anyway, obviously long-term, especially with how Sean Payton's built the team with how Russell Wilson is probably as dependent on the strength of his offensive line as any quarterback in the NFL. Uh, that that's the, Alpha Omega, where you got to go on this off uh, with this off season and improving the offensive line, but uh, defensive line and running backs need as well. And maybe even long-term you start to think, you know, wide receiver, Scott, I don't know if you saw this article I posted on Twitter the other day, but they did the uh, Sam Monson of PFF did a top 10 best players to build a team around with that aren't quarterbacks in the NFL right now. How many offensive linemen do you think were in that top 10? None. Zero. How many wide receivers? Two. Four, four, just that build a team around a wide receiver. That's so bass backwards to me. I think with how the wide receivers are <clears> impacting <throat> the game today, the top ones, especially, I think they're more the number one wide receivers provide more value than the number one offensive tackle because a singular wide receiver, it's not to get way too philosophical on this, but it's how the systems are built. If you're number it's same with pass rush versus coverage. If your one wide receiver succeeds and the rest of them fail, your system succeeds. If your offensive line, you're only as good as your weakest guy. If you have one player who's killing it every single play, but you have absolute garbage on the other side, guess what? Your whole unit fails. Uh, so I think it has to come down with that. But really interesting. I think that wide receiver maybe also could be a a need, but it's more of a long-term uh, focus there for the Broncos than uh, 2023 season. I guess I, I would think that you're almost, by the way you talk about them, that there are so many of them, it's almost a self-defeating prophecy or whatever. You would know the scientific term of it. Because there's so many of them, it doesn't seem like they're quite as valuable. You know, I mean, you, you look at some of these guys and, you know, Justin Jefferson had a huge year. Tyreek Hill, 1,700 yards. Devontae Adams, 1,500 yards. But A.J. Brown, 1,500 yards. And I'm still going. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've got 22 receivers and, you know, 21 and one tight end that had more than 1,000 yards. I mean, 1,000 yeah. yards receiver is pretty easy to come by. I don't I think 1,000 yard is the line anymore. I think you're talking I know, about. But the thing is, is there's, and maybe those were the guys. You're talking Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase. Um, but, you know, the drop off from those guys is 1,500 is A.J. Brown, 500 is Stephon Diggs, 6, 1,350 uh, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddles at 1,350, Travis Kelsey, 
Devontae Smith at 1,200. Terry McLaurin is at 1,200. You know, I'm on Ross St. Brown at Detroit is at 1,200, for God's sakes. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I've always said that it's easier to find guys to run and catch than it is to find guys that will run and cover. You know, I'd, I'd rather, and how many cornerbacks were on that list? I would rather have two. I would rather have the um, the top two corners than the top two wide receivers. Man, I I don't know if I agree or not. <laughs> Just because I think, you're right, I think having the top two cornerbacks is more valuable than having the top two wide receivers, but I think having the top wide receiver is more valuable than having the top cornerback, if that makes sense. Because, again, it comes back to the weakest versus the um, – the first player to succeed versus the first player to fail in the system. But uh, we're going way down the track, uh, way down the tracks here. Um, the other point I was making before my internet crapped out there for just one second, um, Broncos are also reportedly going to bring back Christian Parker, a uh, defensive backs coach here. He's survived now two regimes. Um, he was a former player, I believe on the Packers for a while brought in under Vic Fangio, apparently beloved uh, rising superstar captain Majiro Evero last season. Didn't have another great season with the Broncos defensive backs. Got an interview for the defensive coordinator spot at just 31 years old. Uh, you mentioned bringing in Chris Richard. I think that if the Broncos are moving on from Christian Parker, that'd be a possibility. But I, th- I think they love uh, Christian Parker out here in Denver. So um, I'm not sure what's going to happen to the defensive backs uh, back backfield and the defensive backs coach. But Christian Parker, rising superstar, it sounds like the Broncos would love to keep him. Good question here from Lou talking about uh, coaches. Uh, Lou 101 says, is there an unofficial deadline where it would be detrimental <coughs> not to have appointed? <laughs> Excuse me. I'll take it. Yeah. Is there an unofficial deadline where it would be detrimental not to have an appointed the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator? Presumably they would be involved in identifying free agent targets to fit the head coach's team strategy for the Broncos. I do not know if it's an issue for the offensive side of the ball, because you already have your offensive line coach in here uh, and Zach Streif, who is apparently an up and coming, uh, Great player. The Saints were pretty pissed to lose out on him. Uh, and also you have Sean Payton, who's your de facto play caller, schemer, designer of the offense, whatever you want to call it. Uh, your offensive coordinator there is more uh, ceremonious uh, than the actual, you know, designer and what you're looking for there. On the defensive side, though, I do think it's a little bit more uh, concerning, especially, you know, the combine now is what, nine days away. Free agencies around the corner. You do want that defensive coordinator out there to uh, identify what they're going to do. Luckily, the Broncos, I think, have uh, enough young talent on this roster, especially on the defensive side contracts that it wouldn't be super hard to, you know, sign a couple free agents here or there and uh, flip the team around to a different type of scheme. But uh, certainly defensive coordinator, I'm starting to get to the point and I'm just more of an anxious person, I guess. Uh, but it's like, okay, well, what are we running here? Because if you're switching to a four, three, or you're going to be playing more cover three or cover two or whatever on the back end, that changes the type of players you're looking for. So uh, defensive side, yes. Offensive side, not worried. Yeah, and, and Doc comes in with the, what I was going to say, which is March 15th, is the opening of free agency, the new league year. You, you definitely want somebody in there. That said, you've heard me say before, and, and when we're getting into the nitty-gritty, especially with veterans, I'll back off on this a little bit, is I want guys that are scheme independent, you know, that aren't necessarily, well, he can only play in this scheme. Well, then he's not good enough. Let's, let's, let's go somewhere else. With free agents, that changes a little bit because they're veterans. You kind of know what you've got a little bit more instead of, athletic raw balls of clay that you can mold into different schemes. So you definitely want to have somebody in place and it'll probably happen this week. Uh, I would imagine it gets done. I don't think the Colts and the, the Broncos were the last two to make their hires. 
No, they weren't. That's not true. The Cardinals, Cardinals have already done it. So they are a little behind. The Colts haven't done anything either because they just made their hire. Um, going back to the philosophical argument of um, talking about, you know, the offensive line, then we'll move on. Offensive line or what's the most important position? You know, I would probably have more edge guys if they're dominant yes. edge. I would have a dominant edge guy over a dominant wide receiver all day. Mm. Um, by money, it used to be the second highest paid guy in the league was a left tackle the guy yeah. that protected him and kept that edge guy from going to get him. Um, I always tried to talk kids into playing cornerback if they were just decent wide receivers, because there's so few of them. So for me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a supply and demand. You having, there's just more good wide receivers than there are good cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. If I can get a dominant cornerback, it's easier. And, and falling sloth says since he proved it, one O-line pick can't fix an O-line. Adding another number one wide receiver that can get open faster helps protection as many as an offensive lineman if you have multiple holes. All right. Explain Kansas City to me who loses Tyree Kill and wins the Super Bowl. Okay? You can replace wide receivers. It's they're, – they're, they're overvalued right now. That doesn't mean they're not valuable, but right now in this day and age – and there, I think there will be a correction right now. Like when you see what these guys are getting paid and you see that the good teams are willing to let them go because of what they're getting paid and get something in return, it's like, no, I'm not paying that guy $25 million. Are you insane? I'd rather have this money back. Um, you lose one of those guys. If Tyreek Hill was on the list, I don't know if he was, but he, he was. probably should have been. He was. You lose him and you win a Super Bowl without him when you were already a good team. So, again... There's more than one way to skin a cat. There is no right answer to this. I just think wide receivers are easier to replace. Just I just think there's more good receivers out there than there are other positions because everybody wants to play wide receiver. It's a it's a glamour position. Anyway, yeah. my thoughts. I think it comes down to the you, there's multiple ways to ascertain value. There mm -hmm. is scarcity and there is impact. And I think for offensive tackle scarcity is probably the main driver of the value of that position. There are just not many body types and guys who can play that spot. There are a lot of wide receivers out here, but the ones that are good make as much impact as any position that isn't pass rusher or obviously quarterback. So that's why they're getting paid so much uh, right now, even though there are a lot of them, the elite ones still really, really matter and probably impact games as much as possible. And you're right. Kansas city did trade Tyree kill without getting uh, with and win the super bowl. They also had Patrick Mahomes. Um, it's they did last year too, and Tyree Kill. That's kind of my point with that, though. Yeah. Was they didn't necessarily replace Tyree Kill's. They had him. They had both of them the year before and didn't make it. Yeah, you know. Then they lose a top ten building block player, and they and win they nail the draft with the draft picks from him. And, I know part uh, of that yeah. has to do with you know the other teams you're playing against as well. Yeah, I get it, but you see, you see my point on this. I, I just think right now in this day and age, wide receivers are a little overvalued. If you look at what they get in compensation for draft picks and what they are being paid, I don't want to put twenty million dollars into a receiver, Nick. I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather get three seven million dollar guys and build around them uh, because I think getting productive wide receivers isn't that hard relatively speaking compared to edge and corner so anyway uh lawrence it comes in he says i do agree with scott and have the no fly zone it could be nasty you're close you got two pretty good pieces back there and pat sertan and uh and justin simmons for sure 
yeah, it would be awesome to see that out here for the Broncos. They need defensive line help more than anything out there. The pass, even though the Broncos, I think, blitzed the fourth most this season, they were bottom 10 in pressure rate in the entire NFL last season. That's not a good return on your investment. Now you're losing Chubb. You don't know what's going to happen with uh, Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, the scheme, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there with the uh, the Broncos defense there. If you can build a really good secondary, I mean, obviously, if right now if I was ranking the positions, it would be quarterback, pass rush, wide receiver, cornerback, offensive line. Um, that's probably where I would do the hierarchy here. Uh, but um, certainly, uh, if you can build a dominant superpower team, like let's say last year the Broncos, they didn't trade for Russell Wilson, and then Sauce Gardner falls to the, what was it, the ninth pick, or whatever the Broncos traded no, for them. we didn't make it that far. But, but let's say just hypothetically. Yeah, like, okay, well, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted a wide receiver instead. No, well, you built an incredible unit that pretty much is a bottleneck effect on whatever teams can do against Yeah, you. we talked about that. Turn a strength into a superpower. I you know. it's something that you can go into every single week and be like, I don't care who you have opposite me. I can rely on this. This is a matchup proof unit. Uh, we see mm-hmm. it with teams that mo- most of the time you see it with a uh, trench play. Like if your offensive line is so good, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Kind of saw it this last year with the, uh, the lions and their offensive line saw it mostly with the Eagles and their defensive line, a matchup proof unit where no matter what, you know that you can rely on this and you can do other things schematically because of that. You don't have to scheme around that, but, uh, Certainly something the Broncos could look into. This is going to be an off off season though, and a team forward that is probably trying to build the offense. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think they're going to try to skim a bit on the defense in terms of resources. I, I agree. I, I think again, I've talked five or six. A question I got the other day uh, from Garth Knight. He was asking me what I thought about you know offensive line. I said I, I think you need five guys, and I mentioned basically an entire offensive line, but that's not what I meant. I, I said two offensive tackles, two guards, and a center. Well, that's a whole line. I didn't mean it that way. Um, It was, I want five new guys coming in to compete for three spots. Garrett Bowles, to me, it doesn't make sense to move on from him from a financial standpoint, from a cost of replacement standpoint. He's not that expensive. I think he's 12th right now, 12th or 13th uh, in in his salary cap. Whereas last year, he was one. You already got through the hard part. Yeah, you could save some money if you got something returned, but you'd have to use most of that money in savings to sign his replacement. You know, or you're drafting a rookie in the second round that you get for Garrett Bowles, and you might he's probably not going to be as good as Garrett Bowles was. Um, so that doesn't make any sense. Left guard, I want a couple new players to come in and compete. If I'm going to re-sign Reisner, whose spot rack has a value, they've moved down Nick from 11 to like nine. You know, I've said five or six maybe for him that he gets on the open market. We'll see because he still has a decent reputation out there, but. I need somebody definitely uh, some upgrades there and then center and then uh, and then offensive tackle. I want I want two guys coming in and competing and I'm okay with Cam Fleming coming back and being a third offensive tackle. But I need I want I want at least five and I've said six. So I I would say six and I'm pouring my limited resources in there to fix the interior Two two centers, two guards. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Tim says, Nick, you're too low on the offensive line as a unit. The offensive line is the third most important unit on the team, but when it's again, it comes down to you're only as good as your weakest player. So if you're talking about individual players, bringing them in and talents, if I have five or three B's and two C's on the offensive line, I'd rather have that than two A's and three F's because those three F's will kill you versus the competent solid players there. So again, it's (laughs) we're getting into the, it's some of the most, my favorite stuff here with the really deep off season team building discussions here. The Broncos don't really have the, salary cap or the draft capital to be too deep on the uh on the totally turnover in this roster you mentioned six offensive linemen 
probably not unless you're talking about, you know, some veteran minimum contracts, which could be available for some of these guys be hard to completely turn around this offensive line with the resources they have. Some of it, I think is just going to happen from the scheme change too. I mean, last year with how this Broncos team played, I mentioned it earlier. You guys can call this a shot if you want. I don't care, but uh, I don't know if there's a quarterback in the NFL that is as dependent on the strength of their offensive line than Russell Wilson is in the NFL right now, uh, given how he struggled versus pressure. Uh, we saw it last season. If you know he hit his drop back and the read wasn't there, he ducked his eyes and looked to escape and did not move like he used to uh, back there. I think last year also Russell Wilson, an interesting stat for you here. Uh, he was sacked the most, uh, the highest uh, – Pressures turning into sacks in the entire NFL. So that means that he was escaping worse than any other quarterback in the league when he was getting pressured. Part of that is the athleticism. Part of that is not uh, hanging tough in the pocket, but uh, it's rough um, there. And I think the Broncos do have to invest in that offensive line. I don't imagine a dramatic turnaround next season from the personnel perspective, but from the scheme perspective, I think it'll be much better. Well, and again, I've said for, if you're looking at the cheapest spots on the entire offense on the entire team, not special teams, not included. Safety, guard, center. <laughs> Those are the running three. back. Running back. Running back, maybe. Yeah, but, but those are probably you know an inside linebacker. You know, mm-hmm. but but they're non-premium positions for what it costs. So you don't have a. You've got some. You've got some. You've got some good money. Don't get me wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. You look at it now. It says like two million dollars. Well, I can clear up fifty million in my head just based on either restructures and or cuts. Darby, Glasgow, Jacob Martin, Chase Edmonds. There's four off the top of my head that was 30-something million dollars before any restructures come along. Um, I can get three good free agent offensive linemen on the interior for $15 million. I can. And then I throw in two, two middle draft picks, third, fourth round. I'm, I'm bringing in five new bodies to come in and compete. The interior offensive line was so bad that those five guys will help. I promise you they will be better. Promise you. If you put those resources that I just said, $15 million and two draft picks, somewhere in there, $10 million and three draft picks, I promise you the OL will be better than it was last year. It really, oh, I hate to say this, can't be worse. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I do think that the scheme and the quarterback play made them look worse than they were. Um, and I also think the running back play made them look worse than they were. I think the Broncos this last season, one of the bottom three teams in terms of yards after contact over expected. God, make Yakko We talked about that one before just for fun. <laughs> sounds, um, like a, this sounds like a, a Marvel multiverse town. Or, or where are you going now, yeah. Thor? Yakovia? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the Broncos have to be better there this season. So hopefully it'll be uh, Sean, but Sean Payton coming in. I feel much better about the, what the structure is going to look like, how this offense is going to be and something we've talked about on here a lot. Having a quarterback can come in and be like, listen, this is what you do. Well, this is not what you do. Well, you see this tape last season. This is, this is bad. We all know it's bad. Are you tired of getting clowned for this? Me too. Let's we're going to go back to this. Uh, and I don't know if you saw, I posted on Twitter. I believe there was a get up, um, we talked about it on here before too. get up segment on ESPN following week three where Rex Ryan, uh, potential future defensive coordinator for the Broncos comes in and say, this is absolutely terrible. This offense is terrible. Russell Wilson looks horrible. Why are they running this shotgun quick pass offense when that is not who Russell Wilson's ever been in his career? This is a team that needs to get under center, run the ball, play action and deep vertical shots. This is not who they are. It's bad right now. I don't know who he thinks he is or what kind of quarterback he is, but 
this ain't it. That was after week three. Um, when, and that's, uh, turned out to be emphatically true. And, um, when Sean Payton first gets hired to the Broncos over at NOLA.com, Jeff Duncan interviews him and says, listen, Broncos didn't do enough to help with Russell Wilson last season. We need to do a better job running the football. Everything's pointing to, uh, that's the, being the, the basis of this offense going forward. And then Russell Wilson playing off of that. Now we can have a whole different argument is that type of contract for Russell Wilson, the type that you pay a quarterback who plays secondary to the run game, but you're stuck with him. That's probably what you need to uh, what you need to do um, with this team going forward. If Rex is hired, he will be asked about this. He's not real big on coach speak, but if he does, hey, it was part of my job at the time to analyze the entire NFL and on both sides of the ball. My job here is for defense. Sean Payton's going to take care of Russell Wilson. That might be what he says. That's the coach speak answer. Um, but you say, listen, uh, you guys know me. I've always been honest. I think uh, I said that in week three. I think by week 18, it was pretty obvious I was right. We need to do a better job of putting Russell Wilson in position for him to be successful. And be who he is. And I mean, that's that's no big deal. You know, these guys are used to criticism of certain to a certain extent. That's that's no big deal. And and, you know, I've seen some comments in here about Rex Ryan seemed to rule through fear and, you know, players really liked him. They they they've liked him through through the years. I, I don't I don't know where that was coming from. Yeah, he's a, got an affable guy, and and his players have enjoyed playing for him. Yep. So talking Rex Ryan here, I wanted to get into this a little bit uh, before we start to wrap up on the show here. I know we got a little bit of a late start because of uh, going long on the other show and whatnot, but Rex Ryan, longtime defensive coach, uh, defensive coordinator for a number of years with the Baltimore Ravens, did a really great job with that Baltimore Ravens team, and uh, then went on to the Jets, had some good years early on with the Jets, uh, defensively speaking. And then things got a little bit off the rails uh, with the Jets, unfortunately. Um, we saw that the Jets defense uh, later on in the career, in his career in uh, New York started to really fall off in terms of the advanced stats, uh, EPA per play and DVOA. Then he went over to the Bills, and uh, similar stuff happened here. So, Scott, I'm going to pull this up, uh, just some of the data on this uh, on this team last season. Let's see if I can find the Chrome tab. What's going on here? There we go. Pull it up if it'll let me. Are we still here? Yes, we are. Good. Boom. There we go. So um, you can, I don't know if you can kind of see that. I can zoom in a little bit if that would help some. Looks good to uh, me. Um, but uh, I really like to use EPA per play and DVOA much more than defensive points and yards allowed because those are, those don't really capture the per play basis. Because uh, like this year, the Broncos ran, I think more offensive uh, drives than any other team in the NFL. Well, the, you know, that means the defense had more drives they went up against. So some of their counting stats were worse than you saw from other teams. But I digress. Early on for the Rex Ryan when he's the DC and early on head coach for uh, the Jets. I mean, you see it here. EPA per play, fourth, first, 19th, first, first, sixth, fourth. And then about 2012, things start to go in the wrong direction here. Uh, 14th in 2012, 18th in 2013, 27th, 2014, 19th and 18th to close out. Same thing with DVOA, 6 1, 6 2, 1, 6 2. Then 2012 hits 10, 14, 22, 24, 27. Um, any th- worries here, Scott? I mean, what's this is obviously a trend in the wrong direction with Rex Ryan. Is this a case of the Rex Ryan, you know, kind of maybe getting a little bit tired of the game? Maybe the time away would be good for him or the league figuring out what he likes to do? I mean, there's, there's an obvious trend here across the board that things got worse dramatically uh, down the stretch for him. Yeah, p- personnel. I mean, the Jets have not been the greatest team in the world. Um, mm-hmm. My my interest would be more in Buffalo. You know, it, it, 
we've seen what the general manager can do, you know, as your team building, you've got a good core, you come in and do really well. Okay. Where did they pour their resources financially and from draft picks into that team? Did they lose some guys? Um, I don't know the jets well enough. Uh, I've seen, you know, I've seen teams that have similar regressions like that. And then you get fired. And then he goes into a situation where Buffalo was why was he getting hired there? Well, because they probably just fired their coach. That seems like about Chan Gailey time somewhere in there. I don't know. Um, or Doug Marone. Doug they just Marone. fired their coach. So he's coming yeah. into a situation where the team was bad enough that they were making a change. And I don't know their personnel well enough for sure. Now, if I'm looking at Baltimore, okay. We've seen some success out of the Baltimore Ravens defense. They have a philosophy where they go and get freak athletes and give them some time and they grow into those those positions. Baltimore's kind of who you want to be when it comes to drafting defensive players. So I don't I don't know enough on there, Nick, in order to I don't have the information in order to say, okay, this is what happened. His schemes was stale, his players were old, his his act wore thin in New York, which I can absolutely see. You know, is the way he handles the media that was going to be a love hate relationship, uh, and it was going to turn and get ugly quickly. One bit of data here that I thought was interesting, I did not include in this graphic, is uh, DVOA wise. You have Buffalo in 2015; they go to 24th overall. The year prior, 2014, Buffalo DVOA was third in the NFL, so they had a massive drop um, from uh, who they had before in 2014 to Rex Ryan in 2015 going from third in DVA to 24th. Um, I, I don't know. It just, <clears throat> I think he'd be, I'd be fine with this higher. And obviously as uh, Jeremy says in here, I, I think this is emphatically true for the defensive side of the ball. It's more about the players that you have rather than the, the scheme on the defensive side. But uh, yeah, it was just a, again, really great here for the first six, seven years as a defensive play caller. Things fall off rather dramatically though. And it's, that does concern me a little bit, especially with how the game has changed over the last six seasons as well. Now, I will say his multiple defense, you know, the 4-6 bear front that he likes to use, the 3-4, the 4-3. I think the how he uses pressure packages, you know, guys coming and going, I think would work pretty well. How does he do that in a sub-package league, uh, especially with uh, hiding coverages on the back end? Unsure uh, how that would be married to somebody like Christian Parker in there. Unsure uh, with the run fits and everything too from the back end, but... It would be interesting, but again, it's not like he was this dynamic defensive guy for his entire career. The defense did have a dramatic downward trend, and uh, in Buffalo in twenty in twenty fifteen, they f uh, fell off under Ryan. So again, just worth mentioning. Just digging into the data, I was curious if you had any thoughts on that, given how uh, how dramatic this looks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the personnel and the timing well enough on here. Um, want to hit it comment about uh from Lawrence Rivera came in with some stars talking about a complimentary defensive coordinator uh and, and and he clarifies this by my last comment I mean we want a defensive coach that's going to come in and take up a lot of time on the field for run us has to go out so if he scores Russ has plenty of time to go out and rest Lawrence you have some very interesting and out of the box thinking this might be your most unique of all of those so you're saying you want a coach who's going to give the other team the ball a lot and not get off the field so Russell Wilson can rest. No, 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 no. You want the ball back as many times as possible and you can wear down the other team's defense. You want your, your defense on the field as little as possible, period. 
You want them to force turnovers and get the ball back in the hands of your offense as often as you freaking can. Not let them, we'll let them drive down to the 30 and for a six-minute drive, and then we'll decide to hold them. No, dude, that makes no, no, just, just, just no. Love you, but no. Get the ball back. Pressure the quarterback. Force turnovers. Three and outs. They're gold. It's much harder to play defense than it is offense. Why? You see Latavius Murray get the ball. You see nine guys try and tackle him. A blocker might block, and then he's done. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, no. You want the defense to get the ball back as quickly and as often as possible, period. Yeah. That's a, you sound like you're an Iowa Hawkeye fan there, Lawrence. So let's keep the offense off the field at all possible. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to just run the special teams out there on third down because uh, we can't even stand the, uh, the offense out there. It's a little bit of a uh, mud dogs in the bourbon bowl um, out there with the, <laughs> how the Iowa Hawkeyes play. But yeah, it'll be interesting how this defense plays next season. They have obvious holes. We haven't even talked about linebacker very much uh, on this team either. But will they bring back Alex Singleton or not? Will be interesting. But we got Michael Ronquillo coming in here saying Troy Rank, Denver Broncos insider, said the Broncos could have their new defensive coordinator this week. Uh, hopefully they do. Um, hopefully they have somebody in place before the combine, which is yeah. I think a and, week. And Michael, that's not really stepping out on a limb there. Scott Kennedy, Broncos outsider, said the same thing thirty minutes ago. So it's could have their defensive coordinator. Yeah, but careful that limb. It's 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 about to break. Uh, no, love you, Michael. But you know that's that's not really going on a limb. I expect them to have their their coordinators in place this week it's it's time to get to business yeah it's time um without a doubt so uh i think it's about time for us to start wrapping up here too scott we didn't even talk uh let's last topic here a lot of people don't want vance joseph in here how familiar are you with vance joseph uh time in arizona scheme anything like that any thoughts on that i mean obviously everybody knows rex ryan a little bit more but it sounds like vance joseph he had an eight-hour interview with the broncos on friday He's a viable candidate, and also he's interviewing with the Philadelphia Eagles today for their defensive coordinator position, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I really just watched the the Cardinals like the last six weeks when they were in full-on tank mode. They played the Falcons. They played the Broncos, you know, keeping an eye on them, and they were the worst team in the NFL, hands down. So it's hard for me. I'm not passing any judgments on anybody that was in Arizona last year. Just not going to do it. Now, they you were talking about the the results – he had a significant improvement for a team that's not historically good on defense. And mm-hmm. as you like to say, have not done a really good job of addressing the defensive side of the ball through their uh, various forms of draft picks and or free agency. Yeah. Again, it comes down to the Jimmys and Joes for me. If you look at this uh, Cardinals specifically in the important parts, of the, most important parts of the defense and the defensive line and the cornerback room, they might have the... Worst one than the NFL. I don't think that's even a stretch. Uh, They're absolutely terrible in those positions. So it's pretty hard to have a good defense. And last season, uh, two seasons ago for the Cardinals, actually that defense was pretty damn good. Uh, Six overall in DVOA, six in EPA per play for Mm -hmm. a team that didn't have much, uh, much hype. I mean, what we saw last season, two seasons ago now, I guess got to get that right. Chandler Jones got a massive contract because of what they were doing out there. Now, not everything is perfect for them. I think Vance Joseph has a hard time of maximizing tweener players out there, but sometimes tweeners are tweeners for a reason that's <laughs> like Isaiah Simmons drafted what ninth overall in that draft uh, or eighth overall. And what is he? Is he a linebacker? Is he safety? Is a big slot? Well, a little bit of tweener and he's, they're struggling to find a home for him. Uh, maybe that's the case for him long-term, but then you also have the hindsight uh, looking at somebody like Hassan Reddick, who is traded from Arizona. It has struggled latching on there in Arizona, has a good season out there in Carolina, and then has a phenomenal season uh, for the Eagles. So 
Granted, the type of games uh, played today with simulated pressure are great for a guy like Hassan Reddick, who's a little bit of a hybrid. But Vance Joseph, I think, sometimes is a little bit of an issue of uh, creativity in putting guys in the best spot on the field. But you're going to get a defense that I think would have a solid floor with him. Uh, you're going to be a team that's probably going to blitz a good bit, and you're going to be mostly living in uh, cover two world uh, with Vance Joseph. I think you could be much worse uh, than with him out there you're definitely taking a step back in creativity in the forefront of defensive minds from Vic Fangio to Jure Evero to Vance Joseph, but he would be a, f- a fine, a fine hire, not a home run hire though, by any means. I wonder if you could consider his pathway similar to Raheem Morris's who Raheem's, you know, a few years ahead, got a job too early as a head coach flamed out, then works his way back up to being a head coaching candidate again, where <clears throat> he comes in, did as you said, did have some success, relatively speaking, in Arizona. With a bad comeback. Could he come back with, with Denver? And you'd think that it's already been discussed internally with some of the team leaders. How how does that work for you? You know, I'd have that conversation with Justin Simmons, um, for sure, about you know, what do you think? And you'd think they he, they would have gotten the blessing on it. Um, that would be okay. Richard coming in, he says, I miss if y'all think Rex Ryan is what you want or not. From a content and revenue generating standpoint, Rex Ryan is gold. Yes. So, you know, if I'm rooting for me, I would say, yeah, uh, absolutely. Press conferences. I've, I've got five videos to cut up from a 10 minute video, every uh, 10 minute press conference every week. Um, I think he would bring passion to this defense that has been lacking. Uh, they've been competent and professional, but not, not they, they just haven't really I haven't seen the emotion and defense is emotional. I mean, it's, it's controlled emotion, but it is, it's very, it's, it's an emotional, it's hard to play defense and the guys that can go after and get after the ball and, and be mean. I know. I think the phrase is you need some dogs out there. Well, Rex Ryan would install some dog into some of these guys. And I think that would be good for this team. And yeah. uh, you know, what's good for us, Michael Rancio. And I think this is his fourth time this month dropping 5,000 stars. Holy Michael, guacamole. thank you so much. Um, we appreciate everything you do for us and all of these shows. Um, you mean the world to us, man. He says, great show today, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and buck them. Buck them. Buck you too, Michael, man. We love it uh, coming <laughs> in here. We got to wrap it on up, folks. Uh, any final thoughts, Scott? Uh, we got to uh, get on out of here and we're going to be back again tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's my final thoughts is um, it was the first I mean, we were back on Wednesday, but this is our first full week back after a week off. So plenty going on. And, you know, shoot, you, there should be more news coming out tomorrow. Check out uh, the Mile High Huddle podcast tonight at six o'clock central, not central mountain time. I'm all over the place. You were in you were in Hawaii six, seven hours away. I was an hour east of here and central mountain. I get them all confused. So, but we are back on the regularly scheduled program starting right now. Yep. We're back uh, until Memorial day. Maybe things get a little bit uh, hairy again once the summer comes, but that's okay. Uh, that's uh, we have some fun out here and uh, just holding down the fort until summertime combines next week. It's a good time of year. And hopefully, Hey, news breaks on Tuesdays, right? That's what Carl and I like to say. Maybe we'll have our answer tomorrow. But uh, make sure you guys are following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following us at BFB underscore pod as well as at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you join us at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. 
If you haven't done so yet, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts. We break up down these shows and uh, put them on there for you to listen after the fact. I like to listen to, I listen to so many podcasts, Scott, walking the dog, doing my <laughs> administrative work for my job, cooking. I mean, I'm just constantly consuming uh, content from the audio format. Uh, I think that's probably. You're the you're be- Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Uploaded. I know the 4-3. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm very much a visual learner for stuff like that. But yeah, I digress. Uh, make sure you head into iTunes. Leave us a five-star re- uh, rating and review. Make sure you say Nick sent you. Say that uh, Broncos for Breakfast is your favorite as well. If you feel that way, we'd appreciate that. And as the ticker says there underneath, please subscribe, like, and share. Shout out to all our Super Chat uh, givers today, man. You guys were great coming in here. Even before I started the show, we had Gary Leeds Palmer coming in big time, uh, flashing orange on us. And then um, Gaiala Maples coming in, $49.99. Fantastic. And of course, Michael Ronquillo, Lawrence Rivera, everybody else uh, coming in supporting the show. I know financial times can be a little bit tough, but you guys coming in here and supporting us that way uh, really helps us keep these shows going. I know that uh, we'd be here probably regardless, but uh, it's much more likely that we're here if you guys are supporting the show like that. So uh, you guys make it worth our time and efforts. And we always have a great fun, uh, great amount of time, great fun with you guys all the time. Yep. So we'll see you tomorrow morning and uh, I'll see some of y'all tonight on mile High huddle podcast at six o'clock uh, mountain time. Absolutely. But until then happy president's day, make sure you continue to choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.